Welcome back, Huda Thunkers. This is your host, Zeb, of the Huda Thunk It podcast, as always. And after the last two weeks of, of being off and not doing an episode, that's because I was in Jamaica. I don't feel bad. But we're back, and I'm excited to start cranking out some episodes. This episode is season two, episode 26, called Clear Channel, Why Radio Sucks. Um, welcome back, and I have a little special thing for the recommendation segment, so check this out. And for this episode's recommendation segment, I'm recording from my phone. I want my fiance to do the recommendation segment. So, Shannon, take it out. Take it away. Hello, loyal listeners. I just wanted to recommend MasterChef to you guys. It's on Hulu. There's several episodes. You have Gordon Ramsay, Graham, and Joe. And they just critique food, and it's really good. They have lots of cooking, and you learn a lot. And there's also a lot of drama and funny things that go on, too. So Zeb and I have been binging it, and we're going to continue to binge it. Definitely awesome recommendation. Thanks, Shannon. Love you, honey. All right, thank you, Shannon, for that recommendation segment. Now for the main event. Now, unless other options have been, all other options have been exhausted, I never listen to the radio anymore. Why? Because the radio sucks. Commercials are way too frequent, and even worse, the diversity of music is virtually gone. At any given moment, the same five songs will be playing on the radio. Whether those five songs are good or not makes no difference, as listeners will be sick and tired of this. Of the of them within the week due to overplaying they play the same crap over and over and it's this pop culture stuff and it gets annoying why so you always got to play from your phone or whatever no no one likes to hear the same five songs over and over again all week while they're commuting to work or listening to the radio while they're working aside from the few remaining independent radio stations still left in america of which there are about 88 left america american radio is trash side note I actually hosted a weekly show on one of those independent stations for two years. Every Saturday uh, from noon to two, if you were within about 50 miles of Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania, you could tune into the Hangover Hangout radio show hosted by yours truly. WSRU, that's the station, is still around today, and I'm very happy about that. I'm very proud of my crappy radio station I used to do in college. But why is American radio trash? It wasn't always that way. I remember when I was a kid in the 90s and early 2000s, radio was still a local medium where local DJs would play music they loved, that they loved, and they fit in ads necessary to keep their stations afloat. How did FM radio in America go from locally selected music and content to the homogenized cookie-cutter pop music crap? Well, the main culprit for the trashifying, <laughs> trashifying of American radio is a little company called Clear Channel Communications. Well, that's what they used to be called. And this is their villainous origin story. You see, back in the early 1970s, one of the company's founders, BJ Red McCombs, owned a used car lot called Red McCombs Automotive Group. He was a savvy car salesman who saw each and every car on his lot as a unit to be sold for money, like most used car salesmen. Well, Red then ran in, one day ran into an investment banker by the name of Lester Lowry Mays. Red knew how to grow a business and how to sell units, but it was Mays who had the vision to take their newfound company to newer heights. 
Now, they were two different businessmen types who were smart and had, you know, the hustle to get things done. Financially, they were the perfect pair. Fine. Uh, financially speaking, they were a success story, but their success came at a great cost. And if they applied their talents to another industry, history would probably just remember them as successful businessmen, if at all. But the industry they chose to sink their teeth into was radio. And, you know, ever since Pittsburgh's own KDKA, the first licensed commercial radio broadcasting station, went live in 1920, radio has been a medium between one of the greatest creations of mankind and that is music the people who enjoy it they got music through radio and music is the greatest thing we've created one of the greatest things mankind has created personally i see music as the truly magical as one of the truly magical creations of our species and radio was the first medium to make it so virtually everyone could enjoy it could tune in you know it was it was given to the masses but when these two businessmen set their sights on the music industry or the radio they didn't see a medium that carried our magical creation of music to the masses they only saw money and the, you know the potential for money red saw unit units to be sold every 60 seconds of airtime was a unit with potential to sell more ads and Mays saw an opportunity to blow up red sales on a massive scale the result of these two men and their company clear channel communications would have on radio was devastating in 1972 Mays founded the San Antonio Broadcasting Company, which became Clear Channel Communications. The company purchased its first radio station, KEEZ-FM, Keys-FM, it's an awful station name, in San Antonio in 1972. And his business partner, Red McCombs, bought a second uh, bought a second San Antonio station, WOAI, in 1975. This station was considered a, quote, clear channel station because no other station operated on its frequency and its 50,000-watt signal could be heard hundreds of even thousands of miles on a clear night. Over the next several years, the company bought 10 more struggling radio stations and turned them profitable, usually by switching their formats to uh, religious or talk programming. The company went public in 1984, and in 1988, the company bought its first television station. So, relatively still at a humble pace here. Uh, by the mid-90s, Clear Channel Communications owned 43 stations, radio, and 16 television stations. So, our two businessmen looking to financially exploit the radio business and take every drop of musical integrity it had were still owners of a modest radio business. That was until the Telecommunications Act of 1996. It's a big act that was passed by the FCC. You see, the enactment of the 1996 Telecommunications Act deregulated radio and allowed companies to own a many, as many as eight stations in one market. A huge change from the previous 40 stations per company. So, before this Telecom Act of 1996, a company could own a total, overall, across the board, only 40 stations, right? Well, now, since in 1996 and on, you could only own eight stations per market, per market being like the town uh, or like the city of Pittsburgh. You could only own eight stations in Pittsburgh, but then when you go to Philadelphia, you can own another eight. And when you go to a market like South Central Pennsylvania, you can own another eight. We go to New York, you can own another eight. And it depends on what you call a market. So instead of owning just 40 total, you it was uncapped how much you could own. You just couldn't take over one singular market. So that left community 
companies like Clear Channel to just roam free, basically. After the Telecom Act of 1996 significantly deregulated the broadcast industry, Mays and his company purchased 49 radio stations and an interest in New Zealand's largest radio group. A merger with J-Core Communications based in Covington, Kentucky, who had bought the former broadcast side of Nationwide Insurance a year earlier, bought the operation of 450 stations to the Clear Channel portfolio. Within eight years and with an influx of capital investment from the private equity Griffith family, Clear Channel had accumulated ownership of over 1,200 radio stations and 41 television stations in the United States, one of the nation's leading live entertainment companies and over 750,000 outdoor advertising displays. So Clear Channel went from 43 stations in 1996 to over 1,200 stations in 2004. It was a huge, huge change. Everyone was looking at it. Uh, Wall Street was like, had their eyes glued to Clear Channel because that kind of growth means something. The Telecom Act of 1996 gave them the legal wiggle room they needed to take over the country's radio stations. But it was Clear Channel's business model that made them soar to heights that other communications companies never hit. Instead of playing music and finding ads to play in between songs, Clear Channel saw it the other way around. The ads came first. The ability, you know, the potential to make money was first. And the music was just there to keep the listeners tuned in for as long as they could so they would hear the most advertisements possible. Now, if that doesn't sound like American business, like capitalism, it, it, it does. That's capitalism, basically. But still, it's it started to affect the integrity of music in America because most Americans relied on the radio to hear their music. And now it's, it started to turn into this homogenized cap, you know, overcapitalized. It's just ads and overplaying and, and they use focus groups to figure out, you know, if you're familiar with focus groups, they brought people in and said, what music do you, what's going to keep you listening longer? Is it this, this or this? And when you do that kind of on mass thinking, on paper, it means like, oh, we're giving the people what they want. No, focus groups. Who are these people? Who agrees to a focus group? So, and what did Red and Maze, the founders of Clear Channel, do? Well, like true businessmen, they sold out. When the getting was good, they got out. So, on November 16th of 2006, Clear Channel announced plans to, give pri- to go private, being bought out by two private equity firms, Thomas H. Lee Partners and Bain Capital Partners, for $26.7 billion, including $8 billion in debt. And on September 16th of 2014, Clear Channel announced they, quote, became iHeartMedia, which you've probably heard of, you know, or you've probably heard of their more, you know, prevalent name, iHeartRadio. So they changed their name to, quote, and this is straight from their website, to, quote, reflect the company's success in becoming a one-of-a-kind multi-platform media company with unparalleled reach and impact. You know, to me, that sounds like Darth Vader changing the name of his evil galactic government to make it sound nicer while simultaneously gloating over his total conquest. Something like, we have changed our name from the galactic empire to iSpace rulers to better encapsulate our total domination of every planet within the galaxy. Oh, and remember to download the Darkside app on your smartphones to get all the latest updates. You can even stream the Empirical Marches straight to your device. Thank you, and remember to tune in to iSpace Rulers for all your greatest hits. That's what it sounds like to me. Sounds like some evil dictator, you know, evil company, 
just rewriting it. They said, and <laughs> reflect the company's success. We want to we want to highlight our success. We're not just Clear Channel. We're iHeartRadio, basically stealing it from iPhone. That's how it's written, lowercase i, a capital H, iHeartRadio. And they wanted to show off their their quote uh, unparalleled reach and impact of ruining radio, basically, in my opinion. Now, when Clear Channel was taking over the radio industry in America, the disc jockeys, the people on the ground who were playing the music, were they weren't happy about it either. While listeners were recognizing how overplayed and homogenized the radio stations of America were becoming, the DJs were having it affect their everyday lives. It's their livelihood. DJs used to play songs that they enjoyed. They set the vibe for long trip, long road trips and daily commutes alike. But when Clear Channel became the boss, the DJs were given a set playlist by corporate execs. They had to strictly adhere to the playlist, regardless of their professional opinions. Besides the quality of radio content going down, so did the DJ salaries. Full disclosure, I couldn't find anything to support the fact that DJ salaries went down due to Clear Channel, so that may not be true. But I know that now DJs make hardly any money, and I'm pretty sure back in the day you could make quite a good living as a DJ. Anyway, the wealth went straight to the guys at the top and not much trickled down to the skillless guys who just pushed a button. No artistic talent involved anymore because all they had to do was follow a playlist and play it. Now, back in 2005, the documentary Before the Music Dies, a documentary about Clear Channel's takeover of radio, Dave Matthews predicted the excitement, this is quote, the excitement of the invention of the radio, that energy, will go somewhere else and find a place to blossom there. And probably someone like Clear Channel will find a way to exploit it there, too. That was the Dave Matthews from, like, the Dave Dave Matthews band. Now, his prediction was close. Thanks to iPods and then the internet as a whole, the love of music is more accessible than ever. When greed casted too much shade for music to grow, it started to wither. But music and the love of music did find another place to blossom. The internet, you know? But now iHeartRadio is going after the internet music with iHeartRadio.com and the iHeartRadio app. You know, I guess this is just the tale as old as time. Art gets taken advantage of by business and business flourishes. Then the art either moves on to a different medium or transforms altogether, or I suppose certain forms of art may have died. I like Dave Matthews' take on it. Um, that energy will go somewhere else and find a place to blossom there. I have to agree. No matter what happens to music, it will live on. My generation, millennials, might have fond memories of decent radio scenes, different a different decent radio scene when we were kids, you know, with those local DJs. But any younger generation probably doesn't have any such memories. You know, my younger brother and people younger than him, you know, they, have, they don't listen to the radio. They just don't. Now we get into cars and either pass the aux cord or connect our phones via Bluetooth, Bluetooth to play our own curated playlist for each other. And I'm not complaining. That makes the experience even more personal. And I love the way that's how music has changed thanks to the internet. Um, it is just a shame we can't just turn on a dial and let professional DJs set the vibe for us the way that they want to, the way that they used to. Now, like I said, thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. If you are reading or listening to this, then you stuck around after my two-week break from the podcast, and I thank you. Jamaica was great. I needed the R&R, but I couldn't wait to get back to cranking out podcast episodes for you just like this. Thanks for listening, and until next week, catch you later.